It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. It is Pushing the Limits. What a busy news day we have in store for you. We got some great guests lined up for you today. I want to remind everybody, if you're watching on the Occupy Democrats Network, please click on that subscribe button. You're supporting the show. It's only $5 a month, and you're going to get extra content from yours truly every Friday after the show where you can be interactive with me. So go ahead and click on that subscribe button. Boy, do we have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. There's so much to get to, including Attorney General Garland, holding a press conference in Uvalde, Texas, uh, a very comprehensive report on what police didn't do that could have saved so many lives. We're going to talk about here, uh, talk about that here in a minute. Coming up here in just a few, we're going to be speaking to this man. You know him as a former Bill Clinton advisor in the White House, a former CNN commentator, author, uh, and it's a pleasure. We'll be having Keith Boykin join us here in just a few minutes. And then, oh, it's going to be an all-out brawl on the air. I know it is. His name is David Pollack. He's the host of the David Pollack Show. He's also the director of the Veterans for Trump organization in Florida. I'm going to be asking him, why would any veteran vote for Donald Trump? Oh, we are going to get into it, and it's going to get uh, it's going to be a fiery conversation. That's coming up in hour number two. I want to start off right, get right into it in Uvalde, Texas, right? So as I mentioned, Attorney General Garland held a press conference this morning, and for the most part, he really told us what we already knew. The cops in Uvalde that waited upwards of an hour and a half are true cowards. The fact that maybe these cops can never be officers again is not enough. These officers need to be tried. They need to be convicted. And many of them need to go to jail. Now, I understand these police officers are human beings. They didn't want to die. It is your job and you take an oath to the Constitution. It is your job. That when there is an active shooter situation, that you do everything in your power to end the threat. There are videos of officers looking on their cell phone. There were kids in that classroom, including the teacher, that were still breathing. They were still alive. They could have been saved. And Garland, for the most part, said, yeah, if officers did their job and they didn't wait upwards of an hour and a half, lives would have been saved. There has to now be criminal charges filed. There has to be. And I understand that there are a lot of Republicans out there that want to blame Democrats for all the crime in this country. Obviously, it's unwarranted. Are there some situations where Democrats are not doing a great job? Sure. Nobody's perfect. But the bottom line is when you talk to Republicans about gun violence and gun control, They talk about hardening schools and arming kindergarten teachers. They don't talk about the real issues. And then they'll say, well, we need to do a better job with mental illness. Yet they keep voting against money that would fund those who are mentally ill. And all they care about, I shouldn't say all of them. A lot of these MAGA Republicans, all they care about is their A-plus rating from the NRA. An 18-year-old should not be allowed to walk into a gun store with no training and buy a bunch of AR-15s and thousands of rounds of ammunition. It can't happen in this country. 
and those officers that waited and these Republicans, they say time and time again, if you bring up gun control, good guy with a gun beats a bad guy with a gun. Well, boy, that really didn't happen in Uvalde, Texas, did it? Didn't happen in Buffalo either when that 18-year-old went into that uh, market and a hero cop, a hero security guard lost. I wish that wasn't the case. Good guys don't always win. Sometimes the good guys are actually cowards. And that's what took place in Uvalde, Texas. And then you have Ted Cruz, Cancun Cruz. Remember what he said the next day? Oh, well, we need to harden our schools. The back door should have been locked. Like that would have been a deterrent for an 18-year-old kid who just shot his grandmother in the face from going into a school and killing a bunch and massacring a bunch of innocent children. And on the day of that shooting in Uvalde, Texas, Governor Abbott, as I like to call him, Governor Abhole, was at a campaign rally funding, counting his money, a campaign fundraiser. He didn't even cancel it, folks. He didn't call it off. They didn't even finish counting the dead bodies in that school, and Governor Abbott was still counting his money. It is a disgrace. Listen, at least Democrats come up with solutions when it comes to gun control. It doesn't mean we have to agree with all of it, but at least they try to come up with solutions. I've come up with my own. What solutions have Republicans come up with when it comes to gun control? I haven't heard anything reasonable from them other than more guns make us safer. If that was the case, we'd be one of the safest countries in the world when it came to, comes to gun violence. It's the opposite. More guns do not make us safer. We know that for a fact. And don't talk to me about the Constitution. First of all, Democrats don't want to take all your guns away. That's a lie in a right-wing talking point. No Democrat elected official has ever said on the record that they want to take everybody's guns away. That's not true. What many Democrats want to do, and I tend to agree with them on this, is they want to take away the weapons of war. They want that type of bill put forth and passed like in the early 90s until Republicans allowed it to fizzle out. We need stronger red flag laws. We need an assault weapons ban. We need to raise the age from 18 to 21. We need mandatory training. If if you just gave me two out of those four, and Republicans would never do that, but if you gave me two out of those four, lives would be saved in this country. Gun violence would start to plummet. Wouldn't end all the gun violence in this country. Just give me two out of four. Republicans refuse to do that. Why? The overwhelming majority, not all, but the overwhelming majority of Republicans in this country care more about their A-plus rating from the NRA than they care about saving lives. The proof is in the pudding. When was the last time you heard a Democrat in a campaign ad or even in a campaign speech brag about their NRA rating? Almost never, right? In fact, they would rather brag about their F rating from the NRA. And those are probably the people that I would rather vote for. People that don't care about the NRA. They don't care about their rating from the NRA. They care more about public safety. Do many of these MAGA Republicans care about public safety? They'll talk to you about drag queen reading and how that's the biggest threat to kids until the cows come home. But do they actually really care about public safety? They care more about their A-plus rating from the NRA, the NRA in the back pocket, of Republicans, of Republicans. This is sad. And I feel every day for the families, really for the families of anyone who loses a loved one at the hands of, of gun violence. But can you imagine what these, these families of Uvalde, Texas have had to go through? 
Can you imagine the pain and the suffering and the slow walking when it comes to locals in Uvalde who have not really told the families the truth of what really happened and their incompetence? And it took Garland, who I do appreciate, took him a while in a thorough investigation to really come up with the facts here. Um, Obviously, there's going to be a lawsuit. Money's not going to bring these kids back. These police officers need to go to jail. Okay, enough already. The police officers, most of them, who waited an hour and a half before entering that classroom, just short of an hour and a half, need to go to jail. And they need to pay for what they did. Listen, the main person responsible for this, of course, is the 18-year-old animal. Okay, that's the main person that's responsible for this. There's no question about that. We need to do something about gun control in this country, and Republicans are making it very difficult to make that happen. We need to do something. I've named you some of those things that we need to do. And it's getting to a point now where we're seeing these types of mass shootings happen almost on a regular regular daily basis. I'm sick of talking about it. But things are not going to change until you can convince some of these MAGA Republicans, what might be very difficult to do. But until you can convince them that more needs to be done, and when I say more, I don't mean you know, hardening our schools or, or arming our kindergarten teachers. But to talk about this subject and many more subjects today, we're joined by a guy who, uh, of course, he's a uh, film and TV producer. He's a former CNN commentator, used to be an advisor in the White House to Bill Clinton, uh, somebody that I certainly have a lot of respect for. And he's got a new book coming out. It's called Why Does Everything Have to Be About Race? 25 Arguments That Won't Go Away. Uh, it's coming out on the 23rd, and I can't wait to buy it myself. Of course, I'm talking about Keith Boykin, who joins us uh, again on the show. Keith, it's great to have you back. I appreciate you. How are you doing? I'm well, Brian. Good to see you again. Yeah, appreciate the time, Keith. Uh, before I get to some of the other issues uh, facing this country, uh, political news, I do want to talk to you a little bit about Uvalde, because I if that's okay. Okay. Um, so the Uvalde uh, press conference happened earlier today. Uh, and Garland came out, holds his press conference. And I don't think there was anything surprising right there. Uh, do you believe, though, that those officers, like I believe, should be convicted or at least charged with crimes? Um, well, I, I don't really know the facts to be able to make an informed opinion about this. But mm -hmm. my in, in, inclination is that they failed to do their job. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, I remember from law school, there's a concept called misprison, which means that for most people, if you see somebody in danger, you have no obligation to do anything to help them. It'd be great if you did. Right. But when you are uh, entrusted with a certain position in society, you have a legal obligation to to provide assistance. Right. Uh, and they failed to do, do so. Mm -hmm. um, the question is, what level of accountability should follow? Should it just be you know, losing your job or should there be some sort of criminal charges that come from that? Yeah. And, um, you know, children die because of their failure. They, they definitely don't, they don't deserve to continue to be, uh, in, in any sort of police force. But, yeah. um, you know, I, 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 
I think it's worth looking at whether they could be uh, prosecuted and and for what crimes. Agree. Uh, And as do I, Keith. You know, when we hear from so many MAGA Republicans today, Keith, you know, we need to harden our schools. Let's arm our teachers. Uh, More guns are the answer. And my head explodes, Keith, because if more guns made us safer, then wouldn't we be one of the safest countries in the world when it comes to gun violence? To me, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. You know, you're right, because we have more guns per capita than most industrialized societies, most Western nations, for sure. Uh, and we also have more crime. Uh, we have more gun related crime. We have more homicides because of uh, gun violence. We have more mass shootings because of gun violence, because of the ubiquity of guns in our country. And it hasn't always been this way. This is a relatively recent phenomenon. This is what people forget. People think that America was always built in a society where everybody just carried guns. That's not true. Even organizations like the NRA were in favor of gun control for, for decades. But a lot of this starts to change. You know, this goes back to the reason why I called my book, Why Does Everything Have to Be About Race? Right. A lot of this goes back to the 1960s. Once black people started to p- appear as a as a force in society, a political force, uh, uh, potentially even a, an armed force, then, then the idea of gun control became threatening to right. white people because it's we don't want to be unarmed when all these black people, all these terrifying black people are running around who might be doing things to us. So yeah. uh, you start to see a shift in, in the in the culture about guns because mm-hmm. of that time period. Yeah. Why is it, Keith, that when I have these discussions with so many MAGA Republicans, and I do, they always want to talk about black on black crime. Look at all the crime in Chicago. And, and my response to them is always, I don't care what the color of somebody's skin is. Gun violence is gun violence, and it seems like in so many of these mass shootings, that's not the demographic, at least in the larger mass shootings. Why do you think Republicans always want to bring up black-on-black crime? Well, a lot of reasons. One is it's a deflection. It's an excuse so they don't have to deal with the issue of of what's at hand. The fact that we have more people dying of gun-related crimes in this country than practically any other country, uh, per capita for sure. And the reason why is because we have so many guns. We have more guns than there than our people in this country, mm-hmm. and that's that's an untenable situation for a civil society. Yeah. And a lot of those guns are concentrated in the hands of very few people, to be honest, uh, which is even more disturbing because people are just stockpiling tons and tons of guns. Uh, but the other reason is that it's easy for them to to create these sort of racial mythology mythologies uh, instead of dealing with the facts because. They don't want to acknowledge the fact that most crime in this country is intraracial, not interracial. That means that the majority of white people who are killed are killed by white people. And the majority of black people who are killed are killed by black people. Right. Because we live in a racially segregated society. But nobody ever talks about white on white crime when when a white person kills a white person. It's just crime. But when a black person does it, it becomes some sort of example of pathology. And Mm -hmm. and that's part of the problem. Very good point. So what would you say to... To those that are black that are holding office, people like a Byron Donalds, the Byron Donalds of the world, who will talk about more about black on black crime. They won't talk about white on white crime and they'll blame Democrats for all. If you talk to a guy like Byron Donalds, they'll blame Democrats for all the violent crime that's taking place in this country. What would you say to somebody like him? Well, you can't take that seriously. Byron Donalds is a Trump supporting black Republican who is so in the pocket of Donald Trump, that he's not willing to, to speak the truth, speak truth to power uh, about issues of race. The one time he did something 
that was pos- possibly speaking truth to power was when he criticized Ron DeSantis for his comments about about slavery. But he was only doing that in service of Donald Trump, right. who also doesn't doesn't right. really care about um, mm-hmm. protecting black people. So you know, there, there's always been a group of people, uh, black people. Who, who were today Republicans back in the day, it used to be black Democrats um, before the party switched, who were willing to create, uh, I think, false narratives mm-hmm. in order to uh, preserve white supremacy. And I think that's exactly what, De- what Byron Donalds is doing. Yeah. I, I don't think he's doing any, he's doing his constituents any, any, any service by, by representing uh, misinformation. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Speaking of race, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So the New England Patriots, right, they just hired a new coach, uh, Gerard Mayo, and uh, Mayo holding a press conference and people on the right are going, uh, a lot of people on the far right are going crazy with a comment that I think is is pretty fair that Mayo uh, said, and I want to play that for you. Let's play that clip. I do see color because I believe if you don't see color, you can't see racism. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, if you don't see color, you, you know, you, you know, if you, if you see color, then you can't see racism. I think that's a very fair statement to make. And then you have the Charlie Kirks of the world going on social media uh, saying that, uh, well, if he lets NFL players know that he's letting NFL players know that they should avoid playing for him if they're white. Actually, if you don't see color, you can't practice racism. Now, I, listen, obviously, Charlie Kirk is, is a moron, but there's so many people on the far right like Charlie Kirk that have a problem with Coach Mayo and the statement he made. I see nothing wrong with it at all. What, what do you say? We all see color. Every person sees color. Even people who are technically colorblind still see color. Right. Uh, as long as you have eyes that can see, you're able to see color because um, we can see that there are differences among people in our society. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the differences have to have a significance. But the problem is that white society, white America created a country based on color for hundreds of years. That's the reason why slavery and segregation were able to exist because they were able to to distinguish who was black and who was not who was not who was white and to create benefits for people who were white and to deprive those benefits for people who were black. And they yep. did this for hundreds of years and then suddenly as soon as black people are get a modicum of of equality and freedom and are able to speak out about it, then they don't want us to talk about it. When people say they don't see color, they mean they don't want you to talk about the centuries of color privilege assigned to white people. Bingo. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. If you're just joining up, he is Keith Boykin, film TV producer, former CNN commentator. He's got a new book coming out. Why does everything have to be about race? 25 arguments that won't go away. Um, With that being said, you mentioned, you know, the Civil War. Let's talk a little bit about Nikki Haley and her lack of whether it be knowledge. Some people might call her a racist. I don't know what's in her heart. But how can you talk about the Civil War and the so-called cause of it without bringing up the word slavery? And then her response the next day, Keith, was absurd, where she said it was some sort of Joe Biden Democrat operative, as if it was some sort of trick question when a third grader would be able to answer it. What did you make of that whole situation? The problem is that Nikki Haley knows better. She's, she was the governor of South Carolina. South Carolina was the first state to secede from the union South Carolina was the state that fired on Fort Sumter to start the Civil War. She was the governor when South Carolina took down the Confederate flag that was honoring the racist traitors who fought against the United States government. 
Um, and so for Nikki and Nikki Haley herself is an Indian American whose right. family has suffered racism in our country. And for her to say what she said about the Civil War and to pretend that this was some sort of difficult question where she was worried, oh, my God, this is such a hard question, she said, is a reflection not so much about just Nikki Haley's inability to, to be an honest broker of the truth. It's a reflection of just where the Republican Party is today. Yeah, it's a and, reflection and, of the fact that they yeah. don't—they won't allow you to speak the truth. And let's uh, t- let, let's talk about that, Keith. Let's talk about you know decency, if there is any, within the people on the far right. I want to ask you about this, and this question doesn't have anything to do with race. It just, in my personal opinion, it's just decency. You have a former president. A jury has decided that he is a sexual abuser. The judge characterized it as rape. I would characterize it that way as well. He is a, I've called him a liable rapist. If Donald Trump wants to sue me for that, he can. And yet there are so many within the Republican party today that don't care. They don't care about the 91 felony counts that he's facing. They don't care about the 25 women that have accused him of sexual assault or rape. They certainly don't care about the E. Jean Carroll case. What does that say about the Republican party today? If we're talking about decency, that not all, but so many Republicans are willing to just push things aside and say, oh, that's George Soros. That's the Democrats. He didn't do this. Well, it was never about decency. Republicans spent a lot of time talking about being the party of the of family values. And they were they represent the moral majority. And and they, they wanted to bring civility back to government and all this stuff. And, and they never believed in that stuff. They only believed in one thing. They believed in white supremacy and maintaining power and tax cuts for the rich. You know, of course, that's that's a given. But um now, Donald Trump is the exemplar of that. There was a poll that was conducted. I talked about this in uh, one of my recent books, a poll that was conducted when Obama was president of white evangelicals that, that indicated that the overwhelming majority of them opposed the idea of a president who of, of someone being elected president who had moral failings. Then after Donald Trump was uh, nominated, the same poll indicated that the majority of white evangelicals had no problem suddenly with uh, a person who has moral failings being president of the United States. I mean, it, it was clearly, uh, it's, it's the, the way they used religion, for example, um, the way they use morality is so selectively geared toward penalizing one group of people. It's almost the same way they see crime, you know, like uh, we're, we're opposed to crime, but you know, yep. they, they've got the biggest criminal in the world running for president and they're willing to support him with 91 charges and four indictments. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you said 25 women who have already uh, accused him of sexual assault. Yeah. He's, got, he's also got six bankruptcies. He's got 11 aides convicted. His 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 his. Uh, his university was shut down his charity was shut down uh his business has been found guilty of of criminal conduct what more do you need no black person no no woman no person of color with that type of criminal baggage and record could ever even conceive of being taken seriously as a candidate for president of the united states i agree i agree with you 100 percent. that leads me to my next question there are organizations out there maybe not many Blacks for Trump. You listen to the Larry Elders of the world. The Le- I- I've interviewed all these people. I think Candace Owens is an opportunist. Leo Terrell, another one. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Larry Elder, who says systemic racism doesn't exist. I got into a heated debate with him. What do you make of these people and these organizations like Blacks for Trump? And there are people that will say, maybe not many, but they will say Trump was better for black people than any president in my lifetime. What do you say to that? Well, 
I, I think I may have said this to you before, but there are black people who supported slavery too. <laughs> there are black people who supported segregation. You can't win them all, but the overwhelming majority of black people do not support Donald Trump. Uh, black women in particular, uh, but black voters have been the most loyal constituency of the Democratic Party yeah. historically for the past many decades. And I don't see that changing anytime in the future because of Donald Trump. But the other the other side of it is that I've, I've never, to be very honest, I've never been a Joe Biden fan. I voted for him in 2020. Mm -hmm. I'll vote for him again in 2024, but sure. never been a big fan of him. But but he's, his record compared to Donald Trump is is not even close. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Joe Biden was the president who appointed. First of all, he worked for the first black president. Right. You know, Barack Obama. Second of all, he he uh, nom he, sele he selected Kamala Harris yeah. uh, to be his running mate, the first black woman to be a vice president. Thirdly, he, he selected uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson to be a Supreme Court justice, the right. first black woman on the United States sure. Supreme Court. Uh, fourthly, he, he is the only person who was able to get Congress to finally pass the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act after decades and decades of, of failure and resistance and intransigence from both parties over the course of time. Um, the president has also given historic funding to HBCUs, billions of dollars to, to HBCUs. He's fought to try to get voting rights restored. He hasn't been able to accomplish some of those things, you know, and I've been, you know, I've, I've been one of the critics of him on, on those issues. I've written about this in the Washington Post and other places. Uh, he didn't accomplish the, the passage of the John Lewis Voting Rights Act or the, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Right. But that was largely because Republicans were in opposition to that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And even some of the other issues where he's tried to, to push for, um, like student loan debt relief, which disproportionately affects black borrowers, um, is Republicans who have been pushing against that. He tried to provide relief to black farmers, you know, aid to right. black farmers after decades of discrimination they experienced. And Republicans went to court to try to block that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's not a dictator. He's not a king. He can only do so much. Right. Uh, and like I said, I've never been a, a fan. But compared to uh, to Donald Trump, is there's no contest. Yeah, I'm with you there. So, Keith, obviously, uh, you were an advisor to Bill Clinton. I wanted to ask you, I mean, you know, back in the days when Bill Clinton was president, not a perfect man. He made his mistakes, but he left with a with a large surplus. He was able to work across the aisle. And while it wasn't easy, he was able to work with Republicans. Democrats and Republicans were, were able to work together at least a lot better back then than they're able to now. Now, I think there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But what advice would you give to Joe Biden? I mean, it, it's a very difficult and probably more difficult situation now, maybe perhaps than it was back then. But Clinton was able to do it back then. What would, what advice would you give Joe Biden? How can Republicans and Democrats work together? Are you serious? <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's possible. I mean, I, I, Republicans can't even work with other Republicans. I mean, they, they, they just ousted their own speaker, Kevin McCarthy, a couple right. of months ago. And now they're pissed at Mike Johnson because <laughs> he's he's brokered a deal to keep the government running. How dare he do that? I mean, I, I don't know how anybody could possibly continue to support the Republican Party because the Republican Party is is not a governing party. They've become a grievance party. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I tend to agree with you on that. I think Joe Biden's in, in a very difficult spot. Uh, what changed? Was it was it just uh, the MAGA Donald Trump era what made it so difficult for Democrats to work with Republicans? I mean, it, it's never been easy, right? But I, I think it's fair to say it's probably it probably was a easier back in the days when you were an advisor for Bill Clinton. What changed? Is it just the the Trump MAGA far right people, the evangelical right? What is it? 
I don't think it's Trump, actually. I think it predates Trump because uh, I'm old enough. I'm 58. I remember mm-hmm. when I remember the 80s when Ronald Reagan, who's a Republican, and Tip O'Neill, who's a liberal Democrat from Massachusetts, yeah. could work together and, and come come up with a compromise and get things done. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Republicans like to point to Robert Bork. They, they feel like everything went south after Robert Bork. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is um, it, it's not just about Bork. It's about race again. <laughs> you know, what happened is that uh, Republicans realized that there was a there was they were more invested in being, the, like I said, this grievance party than being a governing party starting in the 1990s with the rise of Newt Gingrich right. from Georgia, who uh, ran uh, uh, for Congress, ran as House Speaker. Uh, with this campaign as a on the, as a contract uh, contract with America, uh, which was basically designed to dismantle government, and they've been trying to do this for for decades since that time, and they have no interest in working to to make government work because make government function effectively. Because if they do, it 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 vitiates their whole argument about mm-hmm. the the reason why we don't need government. Right. They want government to fail so mm-hmm. they can show that we don't need government. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump said it himself. He wants the economy to fail before he hope, you know, he's hoping he gets back into office. Uh, that's not really making America great again. He only thinks about himself. I wanted to ask you this, you know, and I mentioned Larry Elder earlier. What would you say to somebody like a Larry Elder who constantly has said for decades that systemic racism doesn't exist? Now, I don't even know if he truly believes that. I think the base of people that listen to his show uh, which are usually white middle-aged Republicans like to hear that. But what would you say to somebody like Larry Elder who says systemic racism is non-existent? Well, I wonder if you go as far as Nikki Haley did in saying that race, that America has never been a racist country. <laughs> Cause I think that that's take, that takes a lot of uh, cojones to be able to go back in time to the beginning of the, the founding of the Republic when we had, had slavery mm-hmm. and 41 of the 56 people who signed the Declaration of Independence were enslavers to argue that we've never been a racist country. But I would tell people like that, just look at, just look at the facts. I mean, the country in the constitution, the constitution that was adopted in 1788 says clearly that black people were treated as three fifths of a citizen. How, how can you say that's not systemic racism when the constitution tells you that you are, you are, mm. you are a second class citizen? In 1857, the United States Supreme Court decided that, that black people were not citizens of the United States in the Dred Scott case. Uh, in the Plessy v. Ferguson case in the 1890s, the Supreme Court said that, that separate but equal is constitutional. Uh, and then you have, decades and decades of, of Jim Crow and lynchings and torture and, and, and terrorism directed at black people, right. state, state sanctioned terrorism directed at black people. We have a passage of a few laws in the 1960s, 64, 65 and 68 that tried to make things a little bit better. The civil rights act, the voting rights act, the fair housing act. Uh, and then suddenly you think that all those races just disappear. And all yeah. the structures that benefited white privilege and white supremacy just evaporated ov- overnight. It, it's it's implausible. It's, yeah. it's not true. And all the evidence even today seems to support that. The, sure. the criminal justice disparities, yeah. the disparities in healthcare, the, the unemployment disparities. You know, the black unemployment rate has never been anywhere near as low as the white unemployment rate. But for most of the history right. that they've been recording it, it's actually been double the white unemployment rate. And I brought that up. Yep. It's not because black people are lazy and can't work. It's mm-hmm. because we have structural racism that makes it harder for black people to get a job. Yeah. Not just today. So a story I reported on, on Twitter, on X, whatever mm-hmm. Elon Musk <laughs> is calling his, his whatever that is. Um, 
I just reported today a story, uh, a new research, a new research uh, that came out that showed that black children, people, children of color in general, were, are less likely to receive painkillers in the hospital when they get a broken arm, a broken leg than white children. Gosh, that is awful. I, I didn't know that. I'm going to have to read that. That's that's absolutely embarrassing. Like when I when I see somebody who is white like I am, but somebody who is a racist. Yes, I do believe Donald Trump is a racist. And and I said he's an embarrassment to white people and he's an embarrassment to the country, because, as you know, not everybody thinks like Donald Trump. When you look at like a Larry Elder or a Candace Owens or a Byron Donalds, do you say to yourself, Keith, Wow, what an embarrassment to people who look like me. Do you say, well, an embarrassment to the country? How do you react to that? Well, I mean, you know, there's an old line, all skin folks ain't kin folks that black people use. And I understand that. I don't think Larry Elder or Candace Owens or or Byron Donalds or Clarence Thomas even are embarrassments to black people because um, I don't think that we can group all people are into a category like that in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, we don't all have to think alike and do the same thing. I certainly don't approve of what they're doing. And I feel that what they're doing is detrimental to black people. Right. Uh, but, but I feel like once we start expecting people to behave a certain way or act a certain way, then we're also feeding into a racial stereotypes. You know, it's like, it's like it, it, if someone can be an embarrassment to your race and you can also be a credit to your race, that old phrase that people use, like you're a credit to your race. Like that's mm-hmm. supposed to be a compliment. But it's based on this assumption that we have to treat, we have to look at every black person as a representative of all other black people. Right. And that, that's problematic too. You know, if, if I rob a bank, I rob a bank. I'm the one should be held responsible. But if my picture shows up on the news, people start to say, well, black people are bank robbers, you know, right. but if a white person robs a bank, okay, yeah. a white person robbed a bank. Nobody says white people are bank robbers. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. We have to sort of start to see people as individuals, uh, at the same time, acknowledging that color and race are real, but not to not not to uh, yeah. treat them differently because of sure. That. And I and I think you might agree with me if you put on Fox News or some of these right wing uh, stations, they always seem to be showing black people committing crimes. I, do you notice that? Why is that? It just seems to me it could be somebody knocking somebody out on the street in public or or a robbery. You never. They always want to show these clips of African Americans that are committing crimes. I, I find that very troubling, as I'm sure you would as well. Well, it fits into their grievance politics. The, the reason why Fox News does this is because that's what their predominantly white audience wants to see. And it also fits into the, the mentality of white victimhood. You know, in, in order for racism to exist, white Americans who hold racist ideas have to see themselves as yep. being the ones who are aggrieved. Uh, they don't want to see themselves as the perpetrators of something that they think of as being bad. So they have to think, well, we have to do this because those black people are dangerous. There, that's the reason why we have to uh, protect ourselves and buy all of these guns and and lock them up in jail. Or we have to do this because those black people are lazy. That's the reason we can't give them jobs or treat them equally yeah. or or give them a raise or or, or a promotion. Yeah. Uh, we have to we have to we have to not give black kids painkillers or aspirin in the hospital or ibuprofen because oh my god, you know they, they, those they 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 have a higher pain tolerance than, than white kids do. So. We have to we have to start to believe these racist ideas in our heads in order to justify our our racist beliefs and the privilege that we receive because of that racist society. Yeah. 
Yeah, very, very well said. Uh, Keith, before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your new book, which I believe is out next week, right? January 23rd is when it's out on the shelves. Tell me a little bit about this book and why you decided to write it. Uh, it is. It comes out next Tuesday. Yep. Why does everything cool. have to be about race? <laughs> uh, and January 23rd is the release date. It's a, it's a book that debunks 25 questions about race, 25 arguments about race. Uh, everything from I don't see color to uh, I don't have a racist bone in my body or, um, you know, Barack Obama. It, we gave you Barack Obama. What else do you need? <laughs> uh, or Civil War was not about slavery. It was about it was about states rights. We've all heard these arguments over sure. and over again. The sad thing is when I wrote the book over the past few years, I wasn't expecting that it would come out in the time when people are still making these arguments, Brian. Mm. I wasn't expecting to see Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis <laughs> and other people yeah. on national television running for president, arguing <laughs> that America is not a racist country and slavery was not about – civil war was not about slavery and all these other things. I'm yeah. like, wow, we haven't progressed at all. And so that's the reason why I wrote this book because I think – a lot of us are tired of the gaslighting. Can I ask I you? Have, can, can I ask you about that yeah. though, Keith? Sorry to interrupt. Sure. When when Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley make statements like that, do you think they actually believe it, or are they just saying that to appeal to the MAGA base? I definitely don't think that that Nikki Haley believes it, but I don't feel like she really knows what she believes. I feel like she says whatever she needs to say based on the circumstances, which is the reason why she condemned Trump before mm -hmm. he, when he ran for office and worked for Trump and then condemned him again once he left office and then ran against him but never criticized him until it became convenient for her to criticize him. She's an opportunist. Ron DeSantis, I don't know enough about him in terms of what his core beliefs are other than his own opportunism, but, um, but he's an educated guy. There's no reason why he would think that except for the fact that he too uh, believes that that's what you have to say in order to prevail yeah. in the Republican party these days. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's I, the real danger that the, the, the Trump Republican MAGA, Trump MAGA Republican party is a party of not just of racism, but of racial denialism of denial of the, the past of Americans of American history. No, no question. And certainly denialism of many that is it, many of things that are in our Constitution, including our democracy, which I believe is at stake. And I know you would agree with me on that. Keith, it is always a pleasure having you on the show. I can't wait to pick up your book next week. And I highly recommend everybody pick it up because you're a great author. Love your commentary, my friend, and look forward to having you on again down the road. Keith Boykin, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. That's Keith Boykin, everybody. Uh, does a great job. I, I, by the way, I wish he was still on CNN doing stuff for CNN because he's great. He's great uh, because he, his his arguments are based on fact, not fiction. Fact about the history of racism in this country. Fact, the history. Okay, whether we're talking about critical race theory, which I think Republicans, you know, make out to be this big issue, which it's not uh, being taught in, in our schools. Um, but he's absolutely right. To answer my own question, I believe Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis absolutely know that, you know, what slavery was all about. They know why the Civil War started. They understand it. The reason why they answer these questions the way they do is because it appeals to the Republican extreme MAGA base. My thanks to Keith Boykin for joining us. Here's what we're going to do. And by the way, if you're just joining us, uh, we just had Keith Boykin on. We have a treat for you coming up in hour number two here. I will take a few phone calls. Uh, we're going to take a break. A guy by the name of David Pollock is going to be joining us.
from the David Pollack Show, a staunch Trump supporter, conservative. He's the director of Veterans for Trump. Oh, so you know this is going to get really good, folks, in hour number two. I will open up the phone lines now, though. Your thoughts on that interview I just did with Keith Boykin, your thoughts on race, your thoughts on Uvalde and gun control and why Republicans seem to do nothing or they come up with ridiculous solutions. More guns are the answer. Let's arm our teachers. Your thoughts on that as well. I will open up the phone lines now. 702-221-7283. 702-221-SAVE. Again, that number one more time, 702-221-7283. We will take more phone calls in 90 seconds. We will take a quick break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well, so I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Did you know that 99% of air conditioning issues start with airflow issues? Well, guess what? Pioneer Air has your back. They've been operating for 20 years in the industry within the Las Vegas area, large enough to handle all your air conditioning and heating needs, but small enough to know your first name. Pioneer Air focuses on preventative care, much like wellness checks for humans. They believe in wellness checks for air conditioning and heating systems to extend the life of the system you own. So what are you waiting for? Schedule your wellness check with Pioneer Air today. The number to call is 702-831-4840. Here's the best news. Mention this ad and you'll receive 10% off. Call Pioneer Air today. 702-831-4840. That number again, 702-831-4840. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits. Thank you so much for joining us on a Thursday. And uh, we have some, uh, I guess you could say, controversial guest. I don't know, uh, depending on how you look at things. But certainly somebody that I disagree with on a number of issues. His name is David Pollack from The David Pollack Show. Staunch conservative, big Trump supporter. And he's also the director of Veterans for Trump. So my question for him was the same question I posted on Occupy last night. Which is, if you're a veteran, how on earth can you support Donald Trump after all the despicable things he said about our brave men and women in uniform? So I'll be asking 
David that question coming up here in just a little bit. Have you been following the court proceedings that have been taking place? Donald Trump in the courtroom of the E. Jean Carroll case. And it's interesting because his attorney, Ms. Haba, um, has really made herself look like a fool. Uh, this was a recent statement that she made on a podcast, and I actually think it rings true. Have a listen to this. I'll tell you something. Somebody said to me, Alina, would you rather be, um, would you rather be smart or pretty? And I said, oh, easy, pretty. I can fake being smart. <laughs> You're not faking it very well, though, uh, Haba, that's for sure. So what's taken place just in the last couple of days to prove that Haba is a terrible attorney and she has absolutely no idea what she's talking about? Well, first of all, let's just point blank, just say it. She doesn't know how to impeach a witness with a deposition transcript. The judge judge had to send the jury out to explain it to her. Do you know how embarrassing that is? This just happened in the last couple of days. Yesterday, she doesn't know or understand the hearsay rule. Uh, uh, a really good uh, quote from Judge Kaplan. No, we are not going to read out loud a document not yet in evidence. We are going to take a break here and you're going to refresh your memory on how to get a document into evidence. This is basic attorney 101 stuff. Uh, Ron Filipowski, by the way, is a great follow on Twitter. He said a trials lawyer's job is to persuade the jury. He's right. He said Alina Haba views her job as impressing Trump. Trump. She does. The things you are required to do in a courtroom to impress Trump alienates and pisses off judges and juries. But then they will go on social media and TV and complain how unfair it all was. Uh, Filipowski is 150% correct. Uh, you know, there's nothing like telling a federal judge that you have to travel for your mother-in-law's funeral and you need to postpone things. And then all of a sudden he's holding a campaign event in New Hampshire, literally less than 24 hours later, because Donald Trump is full of crap. And we all know that. Uh, I think Mitt Romney said it best the other day. He said, you had a jury that said that Donald Trump had raped a woman. And yet I don't think that seems to be moving the needle. There are a lot of things about today's electorate I don't understand. Mitt, I am in agreement with you 150%. Oh, but Brian, it wasn't rape. He was found liable for sexual abuse. If you read in the evidence of what the jury heard of what Donald Trump did to this woman, it's rape. You are supporting a rapist. I'm sorry, folks, if you don't like that type of language. That's exactly what you are supporting. And uh, Attorney Haba is a complete moron. She has no idea what she's doing. I mean, you know, what was that movie with uh, Joe Pesci uh, where he played an attorney? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm My cousin Vinny. Thank you, Numchuck. And, I'm, and, and I, w I would rather have Joe Pesci as my attorney. At least he did a good job at the end of that movie. And he comes from a good place. All Haba is trying to do is trying to impress Donald Trump. That's all she's doing. And they're looking at this thing as raising campaign funds and, and, and Donald Trump being the victim, which he's not. The real victim in this case is E. Jean Carroll. And uh, the jury decided on that. And Donald Trump is going to have to pay for it. All right, let's take some phone calls. 702-221-7283. And again, that number 702-221-7283. By the way, the director of the Veterans for Trump organization out of Florida. David Pollack is going to be joining us here in hour number two. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Maybe not as interesting as this next phone call. I don't know. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Let's start off with the resident MAGA supporter, Julie. Hello, Julie. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Good, Julie. What's on your mind? 
Do you have any questions for me? Because every time that I ask you a question, you, you don't allow me. So would you like me to express on veteran, uh, on Carol, on uh, racism? What, is, what, is, what, what do you want me to tell you? What, what is the topic that you prefer? Well, I mean, you called into this show. So, I'm, uh, you know, I would just like you to be on topic to, okay. to what I am okay. talking about. Okay. Uh, regarding racism... I don't think that systemic racism exists in this country unless, uh, because, uh, who voted for Obama twice since, uh, Okay, so l- let me, let me respond to that. Let me, okay. let me finish. Let me okay. finish. You don't let me think, you, let me, and then you answer me. You don't think Black systemic racism. The United States is 13% of the, of the U.S. population. 13. So That's what? It's Hispanic, it's white people. So what? Mostly white so who voted for Obama. So you're white. making the claim that because we had our first black president years back, systemic racism doesn't exist. You're saying that because we had one black president. But now I'm going to ask you a question since you don't think systemic racism exists. And I'm going to give you a perfect example of why I believe it does. His name is Ahmaud Arbery. Julia, are you familiar with the Ahmaud Arbery case? Because if not, I'll explain it to you. One individual case. Are you talking about uh, one individual okay. case? I'm not talking about one individual person. I'm talking about a system, and I will explain it to you now. Ahmaud no, Arbery. No no. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to explain it to you, and then you're going to respond. We're not talking about one person. We're talking about a system. I will explain. Ahmaud Arbery was an innocent black man jogging down the street. He did absolutely nothing wrong. Three white Klansmen are now murderers and they're behind bars. But it doesn't end there because 12 officers that day saw the video of the lynching. And not only did they not make an arrest, but they lied to Ahmaud Arbery's mother. The chief of police saw it. Politicians saw it. They hid that underneath the rug. You see, Julie, it wasn't one person. Ahmaud Arbery was murdered and lynched, but it was a system that failed Ahmaud Arbery. Because dozens and dozens and dozens of people in that county that are blatant racist, that have no business having powerful positions, tried to hide it under the rug. And the only reason why those three people, murderers, are now behind bars is because one of them released the, the lynching to a news station several months later. That's not one person. That is a system from the police chief, from the police precinct, to all the police officers, to all the investigators, and even politicians locally there. Do you not understand that that is a system that failed Ahmaud Arbery? And if Maud Arbery was white, that would have never happened. If Ahmaud Arbery was white and three black people in that city did that to a white Ahmaud Arbery, those three black people would have been in jail within seconds. Do you not understand that? Screaming at me, as always. You know what? I'm making my point with passion. If you don't like it, then you can hang up the phone. No, yes, yes, you are correct. There is racism in this country. I didn't. No, 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 no. Potter down. No. That's not the point that I am making. Anybody with an IQ over five knows that there's racism. The question was systemic racism. And you said systemic racism didn't exist. And I just gave you a perfect example of why it does. The system failed Ahmaud Arbery and his family. That's not just racism. That's systemic racism. Why do you not understand that? Let me let me speak on based on my personal experience. When I came from Cuba, I worked for the postal service, and the black people 
was very rude to me, and they treated me bad. Black people. So black so people at a post people. office treated you bad. So that's your uh, uh, really anecdotal bad. evidence because that because that's your anecdote. I just person. gave you so an example. I, I just my experience. Oh my God! I just gave you an example, Julie, of an innocent black man that was lynched, and after he was shot and killed. One of the individuals there was calling him the N-word when he was taking his last breaths. And you're trying to compare that to you working at a post office and anecdotal evidence that some black people might have said some things that you were offended by? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Julie? Yes, because I work for the postal service when I came from Cuba. And they didn't want to. Guess what? I've had a lot of white people. people. I've had a lot of. Racism is not exclusive. I said systemic. Oh my God. Potter down again. Potter down again. Julie, I never said that white people and black people can't be racist. You're, you're losing your focus again, Julie. We are talking about, please listen, Julie, if you're capable. We're talking about systemic racism. You made the claim that you don't believe systemic racism exists. And now uh, your argument is some black people might have been rude to you when you were at the post office. So what? So what? People can be rude. I have a lot of white people that are rude to me. Who cares? We are talking about a system, Julie. Do you understand that? The system failed Ahmaud Aubrey. It wasn't just because some people in that town might be racist. It's the system the law enforcement, the investigators, the police officers, the politicians. Do you not understand that? They all had the video. They all saw the video of the murder and they hid it under the rug. And even worse, they lied to Ahmaud Arbery's mother. And that's a little bit more serious than somebody not being nice to you at a yes. post office. Yes. Yes. Do you want to know more? I was pregnant and a black supervisor denied me lie duty. The system failed me. So there is racism. And every race, black could be racist too. So, Julie, do you think pregnant. it's easier to be black I or white? Hey, pregnant. Julie, 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 I'm sorry that happened to you. Do you think it's easier to be black or white in this country? Who do you think gets treated better it in this country? It doesn't matter. It's no, it does matter. It doesn't me. matter to you because you're a moron. So I'll ask it again. Answer the question. And if you're not going to answer, I'm going to move on to the next call. Who do you oh, think... Who do you think gets treated more fairly in this country? And who do you think in the history of the United States has been treated fairly more? Minorities, in this particular instance, black people or white people? Answer the question and stop talking and listen to my question. Who do you think gets treated more fairly in this country? Black people or white people? Black people have more privilege than white people. All right. Have a nice day, Julie. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You think black people have a benefit and privilege over white people in this country, in the history of this country. It's the dumbest answer I've ever heard in my life, but I wouldn't expect anything different from you. 702-221-7283. Folks, I'm talking about a black, innocent man who was lynched and the entire system failed Ahmaud Arbery. And Julie's response to that is, I had some black people that were rude to me at the post office. Folks, I don't know how to handle a call like that. I just, you know, I just don't. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. 702-221-7283. Let's go to Obi. Obi is next up on Pushing the Limits. Hi, Obi. Oh, boy. You know, Julie's going to think that I'm stalking her. But, you know, with my call, calling right after her. Listen, uh, first of all, the name of the movie was My Cousin Vinny. Thank you. Now, <laughs> talking about racism, 
you gotta remind Julie that in her Florida, her own her own backyard, in 1920, in a place called o, Okoi, I think, there was a massacre of black people because they intended to vote. And two or three years after that, I I don't quite remember the date, came Rosewood. So remind her her where black people were massacred again. Mm -hmm. And for your for your uh, your uh, next guest guest that I don't think I'm going to be able to see because I have something to do. You ask him how, how is possible that he's supporting Donald Trump when Donald him. Trump mm -hmm. put a doctor to say that he got unspur so he wouldn't go to the army. Oh yeah, I'm going to ask him He's about that. I'm going to ask him about uh, you know Trump. Uh, you know, dodging the military. I'm going to ask him about the comments Donald Trump has made about our bravest serv service members, brave service members like John McCain. I don't respect him because he was captured. Oh, mark my words, Obi, you have my word. I'm going to ask him those questions. And uh, David Pollack is the director of Veterans for Trump, and he's going to be joining us here in about 15 minutes. Uh, you're damn right. I'm going to ask him those questions. You have my word, Obi, okay? Okay, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Obi. Appreciate the call. Number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation, 702-221-7283. And again, that number, 702-221-SAVE. Let's go to Susan, who's next up on Pushing the Limits. Hi, Susan. Hi. What's on your mind? I just had to, well, I wanted to talk about systemic racism. Sure. Um, I am a white female, mm -hmm. and I am fully aware of my privilege. And uh, it's not that I'm colorblind, it's that I'm empathetic. You know, I can, I can, I can try to understand what black people and Hispanic people and other people like that have been through. In fact, my mother was, uh, race, racially profiled and treated badly because she was Italian yeah. back in the day. I'm sorry to hear that. So, yeah. So, um, but Susan, you know, when I'm talking to this woman, Julie, and I'm trying to explain to her the Ahmad Arbery case, which, by the way, closely, I, you know, the trial and everything. Innocent black mm -hmm. man, not a violent criminal. He wasn't doing anything wrong that day. And when I talk about how this this young man was lynched, right? He was lynched. I think we all could agree on that. Mm -hmm. And he was called the N word. Uh, witness testimony. Mm -hmm. He was called the N word when he was taking his last breaths. And Julie's response to that is. Oh, well, I had some black people say some not so nice things to me when I worked at the post office. I mean, are, yeah. pe are people that complicit? Like, I don't even, uh, how do you talk to somebody like that? Yeah. Well, you know, I've had a lot of people say bad things to me and they were all white. So, yeah, I mean, listen, there, there are all sorts of different people that are bad people and they look all different. But that uh, mm -hmm. that that doesn't mean, uh, you know, what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about systemic racism. And when I ask somebody, you think it's easier to be white or black in this country? And Julie's response is MAGA supporter, by the way. Her response is, oh, well, black people have privilege over white people. It's just like, how could I even take somebody like that, Siri? I mean, you can't. You right. I mean, yeah. you, can't. They, yeah, you can't. They have the blinders can't. on. You can't. Yeah. It's just it, it's frustrating. Right. And, and I'm not it saying is. I'm it not is. I'm not going to sit here and say every black person is a victim and I, I don't have white guilt. 
But at the same time, I have an understanding of the history of this country, unlike Nikki Haley. Yeah. I have an understanding of the yeah. Civil War. I have an understanding about how my, how minorities have been treated in this country, unlike somebody that looks like myself. There is something called white privilege. And, and if people don't believe me like Julie, then just today, look at the average pay white compared to black people. I mean, what's the explanation yeah. there? Are black people just yeah. not as capable? Of course not. Why are there so few black people that are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies? Why are there so few black people that own sports franchises? I mean, listen, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, uh, it, it's something that if you can't, if we can't at least admit to that, then there's not going to be change, right? Right, right. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, every, we have to, yeah. we have to look at the past to not repeat it. A- 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 absolutely. And, yep. and these, these MAGA people are, are denying the past. They are. They and are. So they will repeat it. They are critical race theory. They're banning books. Uh, it's just, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a never ending saga over and over and over again. And, uh, yeah. you know, there are, there are, you know, there are a percentage of people in this country. I don't think it's a large percentage, but there are a percentage of people in this country that are white. I would imagine many of them are MAGA Republicans. Notice I'm not saying Republicans, mm-hmm. MAGA Republicans that not only do they believe systemic racism doesn't exist, but they think like Julie. They actually think that black people have privilege over white people, which is obviously an idiotic statement. And I think you have to be a very dumb person to think that way. You have to lot a lot of ignorance. And that's really what racism is, right? It's ignorance. There are a lot of ignorant people out there. And uh, unfortunately, you know, they're they're out there. But I'm glad you and I are not are not two of them, Susan. And I do appreciate your phone call. You, You have a great rest of your Thursday. Okay, thank you for calling in. You too. Appreciate you. Thank you. 702-221-7283 is the number to call again. 702-221-SAVE. Let's go to Lori. Lori is next up on Pushing Limits. Hi, Lori. Hi, Brian. I appreciate what you do. Thank you. Um, I have a, I, I have two subjects. One on this racism. I have a, had a friend, a white lady that, and I'm white myself. Mm-hmm. That um, is was grow up poor in coal country in Pennsylvania, so she didn't believe there was anything that is white privilege. And I tried to explain to her that you know, just because you weren't wealthy doesn't mean you weren't privileged. Right, right. Your skin color definitely in this country dictates, unfortunately, privilege, mm-hmm. and. Um, I just heard Nikki Haley say in the same sentence, racism doesn't exist in um, America, but I've ex- uh, I've experienced it. Yeah, in my she life. said she said it's it, not really a racist country. And while I don't believe that the majority of people in this country are racist, uh, when you look at the Civil War, when you look at slavery, how can you make the statement that she makes? She's so complicit, and I think she ruined her entire political career, starting with her lack of an answer when it came to the Civil War, in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's, it's really did. sad. Well, I don't think we're... I don't think Republicans are, I mean, mag Republicans. Yeah. Now, those rhinos, they are okay yeah. with me. And um, well, Most of them are with is, me. Most of them are with me. Chris Christie, yeah. the Liz now, Cheney's, the Mitt Romney's, the Adam Kinzinger's. Right. At least they're right. on the right the side of history. The ones right. that have a little bit of a backbone. Yeah, exactly. They definitely, exactly. They definitely do. Yeah. But those that are kissing the ring, are, they're they're killing our country. They really are. And my, my other... Yeah. They they are, and it's um, you know, we we usually age our presidents when they're in term. Yeah, Trump aged us 
he didn't look any different than the day he came into the office, yeah. like every other president I've ever known. Yeah. You know, they well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, I, he, he I, aged yeah. us. Oh, no question. I, I am. I have never been a racist person. I don't look at color. But I do look at orange men named Donald Trump, and I don't like them very much. So I don't know if that. And I've isn't... never hated anybody yeah. until yeah, well, orange man. Hate... My other um, yeah. topic is my husband lost his legs in Vietnam. Oh, and I just do not understand the concept of veterans. Well, you know what? First of all, God bless your husband and his service to this great nation and risking everything. Uh, he's a hero. And you're going to want to stay. He, he, he volunteered at 17. He turned 18 him. in boot camp and 19 in Philadelphia. Well, Naval Hospital. people like your people like your husband are the reason why I'm able to go on the radio every day and enjoy doing what I do. I and have, he's also he's also buried and yeah. he I lost him in 2010 and I'm he's sorry. in Arlington National Forest. Mm. I mean, cemetery. And if they ever try to plant Trump there, I will. Yeah. I will blow up his, I, I hear his, you. Uh, I, I, I hear you. I understand your frustration, and God bless you and, and your late husband for being a hero. I appreciate the call, Lori. Thank you so much. 702-221. Thank you. 702-221-7283 is the number to call. Let's go to Dan. Dan is next up on Pushing the Limits. Dan, what's going on? Hi, Dan. Can you hear me? Hey. What's up, yeah, Dan? Yeah, I can hear you fine. How you, how you doing? Doing good, Dan. What's on your mind? Well, a few things, and I, I'm just going to state this, and of course, you know, you may not agree with it, but to me, there is no such thing as a good Republican. I, I really don't care how nice they may be or how sane they may seem, just by affiliation. Well, here's bad. well, here's my response to that. Uh, yes, I do disagree. I understand what you're saying, but I do disagree with you to an extent. I know some good Republicans. I know Republicans that are good family people. They're good husbands. They're good wives. Uh, they're good parents. They're good sons. They're good daughters. I disagree with them on policy. The good Republicans out there, in my opinion, are the ones that are at least able to admit that Donald Trump is a threat to our democracy and he's a despicable human being. Doesn't mean I have to always agree with them on policy. But I do believe there are some good Republicans out there, some decent human beings out there. I'll give you an example. Liz Cheney. I disagree with her 99 percent of the time when it comes to policy. But at least she put the country first before her own political career. And I will always will have respect I, yeah. for her for that. I do understand that. Yeah. But, you know, if they are good people and they understand democracy, mm -hmm. Why would they even want to be a Republican? And that's why I say there's no such thing well, as a good Republican. I mean, I think there are a lot of Reagan Republicans still out there, Dan. I, I think well, Reagan was a, I won't say the word I want to say, but he was a moron. He was a total idiot. He was right, an all-American. But, but, but when I use the term Reagan Republican, it's anti-MAGA. It's, you know, they stand by their principles, even though we might disagree with some of those principles. So while I understand your frustration with Republicans, I feel your frustration. I don't, I don't agree with a lot of Republicans in office today either. I'm with you and I'm a registered independent. But uh, at the same time, you know, the Chris Christie's of the world, it, it took him a little bit of time, but he's, at least he's on the right side of history now. Joe Walsh did the show yesterday. He was a Trump enabler back in 2016. He admits he made a mistake. So we have to look at those people and say, hey, you know what? I'm glad you're on the right side of history now. I understand that, you know, you made a mistake, but I'm glad you're on the right side of history. And, uh, you know, if, if you just – and this is just my opinion, okay? If you just hate every Republican out there and you say no Republicans are good, the problem with that is we're never going to get anything done in Washington. You have to be able to work with some of the reasonable Republicans, right? 
<laughs> well, yeah, and I, I get what you're saying, but yeah. my point is, yep. you know, these are like the old Republicans, who, you know, where it was a decent party at one time. Right. Why right. would they want to affiliate or associate themselves with this insane party? Uh, I believe because a lot of them are conspiracy theorists and a lot of them are maybe closet racists. I mean, I, I don't know, uh, but I got to let you go. No, I gotta, I'm asking why do these why do these good Republicans, supposedly good Republicans, yeah. remain Republican? Um, they're, they're, they're just I, by association. Um, yeah, they're, but I would say a lot of those good Republicans, and I appreciate the call. I got to move on, but I think a lot uh, there's a good portion of those Republicans who are still Republicans by their principle, but they don't support Donald Trump. Let's take a few more quick calls. Let's go to Alan. Alan, you're next on Pushing the Limits. What's up, Alan? Hey, hey Brian. Love your show, buddy. Hey, Thank you. I, I want to go back uh, a couple weeks ago to one of the trials. I believe it was a January 6th uh, the insurrection trial. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Trump's attorney saying that the president should be immune, basically should be immune from everything? Uh, yes, I did play some of that audio a few weeks ago, which was absolutely okay. and positively ridiculous. I don't right. think any reasonable so, person would be okay with that. <laughs> so my, my question yeah. would have been this very so What you're saying is Donald Trump, if he was president, he basically could tell the find a bunch of guys from the SEAL team and go out there and, Correct. and assassinate yeah. his yeah. his uh uh, uh, opponents and stuff, right? Right, right. of course. That was, that, the, was... that was the legal argument that some uh, one of his attorneys was making, again, which is completely asinine and ridiculous, but there are some MAGA Republicans oh, out there that believe it. Brian, hold on there, buddy. Yep. <laughs> so let me ask you something. Sure, quickly. Go ahead. What's wrong with that idea? And I'll tell you why I say that. Uh, so if you're telling me the president's above the law, he can, he can go kill somebody oh. and do whatever he wants to do. I'm not saying that. What would you... What would you be telling Joe Biden right now if that was a fact? Can you imagine? Well, I'll answer it this way. And, and uh, <laughs> thank you for the call, by the way. If Joe Biden today threatened to kill uh, somebody that he was, I don't know, could be Donald Trump, could be anybody. Imagine what Republicans would say. Oh, put him in jail. That's a threat. That's this. That's that. So Joe Biden would never do that. But just the idea that somehow... Donald Trump could be immune to breaking the law. Doing that to me is absurd. Let's try to steal one more call here, and then uh, we got to get to our guest. Let's go to Curtis. Curtis, what's going on, man? Yeah, how you doing there? Good. Um, I'm Curtis. I'm out of California. Uh, I just want to say, you know, back in the uh, I did my 75th birthday, yep. by the way, but I integrated to school Happy in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Uh, integrated the school in St. Missouri and in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I end up, I'm a I'm a veteran. I was stationed at Mills Air Force Thank Base you for back in the during the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. uh, I have three doctorate degrees now. Raised in Watts, California, but I can remember that uh, once when I was about about nine years old, I was listening to a TV program, and these uh, two white men were on there talking about sports, and they were explaining that. Black people didn't have the mentality to be quarterbacks and 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 have positions that are thinking positions. They need to have just a brutal position. Yeah. I can remember at eight years old asking myself, asking God, why did you make us where we can't play basketball? Why, I want to ask you, why did you make us where we can't play football? Right. No, I, I hear you. And and by the way, thank you for your service to this country. Uh, before I introduce yeah. my next guest, you're the perfect person to ask this. What would you say to? veterans out there that support Donald Trump? 
Well, you know, after he said that those people in the graves are suckers and losers, yeah, I think that the, I think that uh, the 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 person that still uh, support that have to question his own um, his his own moral values. I don't as disagree. An American. I don't disagree I mean, with you. It, it, let me let me say again. I'm glad there's people like you out there that you, you risked it all for this country, so people idiots like me could be on the radio every day. In all seriousness, thank you for your service. You're a hero. I got to move on, uh, and I appreciate your call. You call you. back anytime. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your service to this country. All right. Without further ado. Uh, the guy joining us on the line right now, speaking of this, what a perfect segue. He is the director of Veterans for Trump organization based out of Florida. He is also the host of the David Pollack show. He is a staunch Donald Trump supporter. I have many Trump supporters on this show and we always have good conversations and I appreciate David Pollack joining us right now. David, I appreciate you being here, my friend. How are you? I mean, great show, man. I've been listening in the well, I was backstage and he's got a great show. I mean, obviously your guests um probably think i'm a bad republican but um <laughs> but it's a really good show man you, you're well, doing a great job. I, well I, david i appreciate you saying yeah. that and i and i appreciate you coming on and, and even though we might disagree on some stuff uh, i think it's always great to have conversations uh like this with people like you let me start by asking you this i guess this is like this is the obvious question you're the director of the veterans for trump yeah when, and I ask this question to veterans a lot. The comments just that Donald Trump made about John McCain, not respecting John McCain because he was captured. What were your thoughts on that when he made those statements? Yeah, you know, a lot of things that Donald Trump says sometimes makes me raise my eyebrows. Um, and that's why this is going to be a hard conversation for you, because although I, I do support Donald Trump wholeheartedly, um, I don't think I fall into some of these camps of, of the way people think I'm going to think on some issues. Mm -hmm. Um but no, I mean, yeah, clearly he says things that make you raise eyebrows. What I learned um, early on uh, about Donald Trump was that he has the ability to get news and make news and get press and make enemies and become villains and heroes. And mm -hmm. he's a showman. And we live in a really weird time where uh, all of this is kind of a show. I mean, depending on what your favorite news network is, whatever your favorite talent is and whatever you're watching, a lot of this is entertainment versus um, substance. And so, um, what I've learned was Donald Trump is a master of entertainment. He's an entertainer first. Can I ask and you something on that then? Of course you then can. Then why yeah. would you support an entertainer rather than somebody that takes number one as substance? Why would you support an entertainer as the leader of the free world? Because he uses his ability to entertain to actually be effective. And, and that's what, that's, that's the interesting part of what he's done so well. People have tried to emulate this, by the way, on the left and right everywhere, how he's able to do both. Mm -hmm. And people have tried to emulate Trump unsuccessfully. I, I don't think I think superficially a lot of people think Trump is really just a bully who says mm -hmm. a lot of mean things and it's offensive and says mean tweets. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's a bad guy. Um, what people can't see past is and, and I'm not saying that's my approach. But in the environment we're in right now, politically, unfortunately, that is an effective approach. Let me ask you that then. Yeah. If he was effective, why is it everybody around him seems to either go to jail? Why are so many of his companies filing for bankruptcy? Why is he facing 91 felony counts? Why is he a liable sexual abuser? If he's so effective, why did he lose the 2020 election? That's a lot of different issues. Which one do you want to take first? Any, any of them. I think they're all. I think it all proves yeah. to you that he's not effective. He also ran in 2016, claiming yeah. that he was going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it, and he's going to convict yeah. Hillary Clinton. He didn't do any of those two things. I mean, yeah. uh, so uh, take it from there. Take anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I got to remember. Okay. I should have taken notes. <laughs> the thing is, so look, let's start with the wall. 
Sure. Uh, we'll start. I'll go and work my way backwards. Sure. Uh, and, and I'll point out the fact, yes, he did have people chanting lock her up. But then when he was in the power to do it, he didn't. That's an important distinction. And versus where we're at right now, you mentioned the 96 indictments. Um, that is the opposite. I mean, now I, I think whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, if you try and, and look, the I don't want to get too far down this because there's so many things I want to mention. With the 96 indictments, however many it is at this point, plus the civil lawsuits in various places, some of these things are untested legal theories that they're literally trying to find a way to prove. And that's why the Supreme Court's having to intervene. That's why we're, you were talking about the immunity clause. All of these things are not settled law. Maybe all some of to them. be argued. Okay, I'll well, give even you- some. Let's just take some. Maybe the- some. But Let's take some. But he still, defied, he still defied a subpoena for a year. I mean, he still had these classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Again, right? all of that are facts to be proven yet still in the court of law. These are the allegations, right? So okay. let's just and I, and I, know you're, I know you're innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, I, and I believe that. I get that. But you, yeah. I, I'm just arguing you use the term effective. Yeah. I don't think no, January 6th that. was a very effective day in a positive way Man, for You threw in another subject. I haven't okay. got Go to the last seven. Go ahead, David. <laughs> this is my ADD, my friend. I apologize. Yeah, no, Go ahead. <laughs> Listen, on my show. I always say I take Pollock show tangents because I'll be like, oh, look, a butterfly. And I'll talk about something for 15 minutes. I get it. I, I apologize. To to it. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good, man. I'm having fun. Um, but let's start with the wall, right? Sure. So he said, I'm going to build the wall and make Mexico pay for it. Right. Now, whether he intended on really having Mexico pay for it or whether he meant that, you know, anecdotally, uh, I don't know. The reality is, though, and I think most Americans agree. And let's start with that prospect, because like, you I heard you with the last call and you were saying all Republicans aren't bad. You know, we all kind of need want the same things. I, I heard you saying that there is room. For yeah, everybody to I don't know agree. if we all want I, the I'm same things, but I'm but, overgeneralizing. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But the point I'm yeah. getting at is I think if you had to poll America on whether or not they think there's a problem with the border, I think most Americans would say, yes, there's a problem. with the border. How to handle that, how to handle that. We might disagree. I agree with you 150%, but this is my issue with Republicans yeah. when it comes to this issue. Yeah. We might have more numbers of people crossing the border illegally now, more than, than we've had in, right. in several years past. I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. But when I hear a lot of MAGA Republicans, they only blame want to blame Joe Biden for it. Now, listen, it's not a Republican problem. Oh, or a I Demo- blame Republicans. I'm a MAGA Republican. I blame both. Republicans. I blame both. No, I hear you. But I, but yeah. I, I blame both. This is an issue yeah. we've had at the border for a long time. I'm for Agreed. border security. I want border security. But a lot of these MAGA Republicans will only blame Joe Biden, just like the fentanyl and the drug issues. We had over 300,000 people that sadly died of drug overdoses yep. under the Trump administration. I don't blame Donald Trump for that. It's a Republican problem and a Democrat problem. And I just can't stand it when we just blame one side of the aisle for our issues at the border. That's I it. agree with you. We're agreeing. See, look, we start right off the bat <laughs> agreeing with one another. Uh, 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 one of the bad Republicans, because here's the deal. Um, I blame Republicans for the border. I say I've complimented Nancy Pelosi and I compliment the Democrats. Now, I disagree with their policies, but they're effective when a Democrat votes for a Democrat. You guys can have the majority. Well, you're an independent, so it's not you guys. Democrats can have the majority by one Mm -hmm. seat, Mm -hmm. and they can accomplish almost every single one of their policy objectives. Even if they don't have the Senate or the White House, they did this very effectively in the second half of Trump's first term. Mm -hmm. They don't need the majority to get their what they want done because you know what they need? They're unified. Republicans are a freaking mess. I mean, they, they are. can't agree but on anything right I agree, now. but that I go back yeah. to what I said earlier. You said Donald Trump effective. He lost the House. He lost the Senate. He lost the 2020 yep. election. I just don't, I don't think he did. Well, he did. No, let me get let me let me say this. 
I, I'm not blaming him for all of those losses. There's a lot of factors that go to that. It's not, it would be too easy to oversimplify it. Mm -hmm. The Republican Party has a problem right now. And it goes to the reason, and I know I have to touch on the six other things you mentioned, so I'm doing the ADD <laughs> thing with you. Um, the Republican Party has a problem right now, and this is why I like Donald Trump. It's why I actually support Donald Trump wholeheartedly, and it's the same reason why I did in 2016. The same reason why libertarians and far-left uh, individuals supported Bernie Sanders is the same reason why many people support Donald Trump. It's not, and then going back to what you mentioned, it's not that he said something about John McCain that people found offensive. It's the fact that the Republicans hate and fear Donald Trump, I think, more than the left and Democrats do. So then they're two-faced and phony then. A hundred percent. So I say this. That's, this not, a, my, that's not a good thing. You yeah, just, no. You're admitting that most of the Republican – and by the way, I agree with you is, – is fake and phony. <laughs> Listen, I'm at war with Democrats – I mean with Republicans just like I am with, with, with other – here's the deal. I, I, I'm an American. I'm an America first American. When I say that, I do believe in putting America first. And that mm -hmm. means putting us above foreign wars, putting us be, uh, above foreign interests. I think we got to take care of our own. And when we have veterans without health care, and we have people dying of fentanyl, when we have communities in poverty with crime, that's where a billion dollars that are earmarked for Ukraine should go first. I'm sorry. Yes, I care that Russia is invading a foreign country. But you know what? I care about the people getting shot in Chicago, not in Kiev. I don't I don't disagree with you there either. But uh, again, the point that I would make is how is Donald Trump the Lord and Savior for that? I mean, I, I didn't say he's the Lord and Savior. So now to be clear, what Donald Trump represents to me and he represents to a lot of mm -hmm. uh, Americans and the reason why he's doing so well now. Now, think about this. You mentioned it correctly. Ninety six indictments. He says mean things. He's ninety one felonies. Yep. Yep. Right. I don't know if all of 91 are felonies, but they're indictments they nonetheless. But 91 anyway. foreign indictments, 91 felonies. Yep. Call them 3,406. It yeah. doesn't matter. The point is, even though he's facing the indictments, now the, if you look at the exit polls from Iowa, over 60% of the people who turned out in Iowa, the Republicans, said it didn't even matter if he was convicted. They're right. Well, well, I think they're idiots. Well, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, just I, I, well, uh, by the way, two thirds yeah. of those voters also think Donald Trump won the 2020 election. So don't, I don't take any credence with people that are idiots. Uh, so we'll, we'll, all due respect we'll to that one. Okay. No, we'll get to that one because okay. that is a whole show. Okay. <laughs> so, I, but here's the deal. Um, there's a reason why Donald Trump is doing better. I mean, look, you have Nikki Haley as an option if you're a Republican. You have Ron DeSantis. You had Asa Hutchinson if you wanted. You had Chris Christie if you wanted. Mm -hmm. All of them hate Trump just as much as other people, right? You have them as options. But for some reason, Donald Trump is his winning by historic margins so far, at least in Iowa. He looks like he's going to do well in New Hampshire and then even to South Carolina. Do you think it's historic, Haley. though, when only 14 percent of registered Republicans voted and 7 percent of those of all registered Republicans in Iowa voted for Trump? Do you look at that as historic? I, I know some I, people can, do. You can cross. Look, you can splice that up and divide it out. However, mm -hmm. um, the the largest margin of victory in Iowa was in 1988. Oh, he's got support. He's, he's, listen, <laughs> so I'm just saying if we can just go to 1988 was the last time somebody did better than 13 points. He he's did. got support. 30. I'm not going to sit yeah. here and say that Biden's going to win in a landslide. No, he's got yeah. support. I agree with you 150 percent and I'm concerned. But I guess it and I know there's a lot of things we haven't touched on yet, but it goes <laughs> back to my first question, which is. Sure. I don't know how anybody who is a veteran, no matter how much you hate Joe Biden, you hate Democrats, you hate their policies, yeah. with all the rhetoric and, and, and a guy that dodged the military multiple times, Donald Trump did do that. And here's a guy with, with, with the things he said about our military. I don't know how anybody uh, who has served could support this man. I don't get it. Help me so understand. I know, I know a lot of military guys, and uh, I had—I don't think I've spoken to a single one. I'm sure you have. We have different audiences, so I'm sure you have spoken to veterans that 
dislike President Trump. I've spoken to both. Yeah. But yeah. the majority of the uh, of the veterans that I've spoke, I would say all, but I don't want to be, you know, overgeneralized. I'm sure I know a veteran doesn't like Trump. But the idea is comparing Joe Biden to Donald Trump, the veterans I speak to feel like Donald Trump respected the military more than Joe Biden. You remember the famous I'm looking at my watch moment when the soldiers were being brought off that aircraft. Um, when uh, do you, you remember that, this? Joe Biden was you think caught looking at his wristwatch. I do. Do you think that's comparable with with somebody that just looked at their watch to see what time it is to all the statements that Donald Trump has made about veterans? I don't respect John McCain because he was captured, a guy who dodged the military. I just he was very a, angry at John McCain. I think that's <laughs> I a very, I, with all due respect, yeah. I think that's a very unfair analogy that or, or, that you're trying to make in, in saying, yeah. well, look at what Joe I, Biden I did. He looked at his watch. I could give you a laundry list of things that Donald no, no, Trump just, has said. I, that was just one example what i'm right. saying is i don't our military doesn't and i actually had a, a navy seal on my show last night with uh matt couch the pelican couch show uh he we it was his name's um his name's clark i can't think of his last name he has a cool mm -hmm. italian last mm -hmm. name but anyway he was on the show he was part of seal team five mm -hmm. and the reason why we had him on because there's two missing navy seals right now that fell off uh, uh when they were trying to to board actually one fell off the other one and after right. they're still missing and when asked about it there's no nobody's giving any information and now maybe it's for to protect the operation i'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that but when i had him on the show and i was talking to him about that uh, and he he said we just don't feel supported by president biden we don't feel like he has our backs i feel like he's more um interested in dei stuff rather than military attention and he also accurately pointed out that uh, recruitment is at all-time low special forces interest is at all time we have an issue in the military and it seems that our focus isn't in the right place our soldiers are saying that they don't feel supported by President Biden. Now, I don't know why that is. I don't and I don't think uh, I would want to pick their brain and speak to them about that. But I yeah. will say that it, it, in this not really changing the subject, but sort of is there are a lot of Republicans out there that don't think transgender should serve in the military. Is that supporting the military? You know, I don't know if there is a I mean, it wasn't too long ago that Democrats supported don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, I, I don't know what goes into if there's operational reasons to to. You know what Clark said last night? That was real interesting. He says, look, when we're fighting, I don't care who somebody goes to bed with at night, who they what they do in their personal lives. He says we have each other's backs and we're there to die for each other. I wish essence. everybody had that attitude. Unfortunately, but, there's a lot of MAGA Republicans who don't feel that way. And even policy yeah. members that believe they care more about what's between your legs than serving this country honorably. Listen, I'm sure there are plenty. There are veterans out there that don't like Joe Biden. They're lifelong yeah. Republicans. They claim they don't feel supported. I, I love to hear from them and talk to them, especially if they serve this country honorably. It's just a guy yeah. that dodged the military multiple times and you look at his history and the things that he has said and his behavior and i guess that's where i question it i don't think he's very effective i think he's very effective maybe at lying at manipulating the media and i uh, let me ask you this 2020 who won did joe oh, is joe biden a free and fair elected well, uh, well joe biden won clearly he's in the white house is he a free and fair elected president so that's where it gets interesting. Uh, free and fair elected. Uh, yes, he won a free and he won a free, fair and open election. He won and he's in the White House. He was sworn in. Um, it, the, the election in 2020 has not been overturned and there hasn't been enough fraud uh, identified. Uh, well, actually, it, whether or not it's been identified, no widespread voter to fraud. A court of, of competent you know, jurisdiction. Then why does your guy keep, then why does your guy keep lying about it? Why does he this, keep lying? Here, here's the interesting thing, and this is going to be a problem going forward in 24 and 26, 28, and mm -hmm. for all of perpetuity that we have a republic. People legit, and, and again, there, if you look at polling, I already told you, there are, there are a majority of people, Republicans, and actually, I, I, would, I would bet if you polled all Americans to whether or not they think 
there were inconsistencies or they had any doubts, not who won, because that's where it starts to get muddy when you say who won the election. Well, there's a lot of misinformation out there. I mean, there's there's people out there. There's also election irregularities. And this is something that we have to address, because if any American. What election irregularities are you referring to? I mean, you can go state by state when you have polling in six different swing states on election night, when you have polling station. And again, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So we have an unprecedented vote by mail. Mm -hmm. So uh, inevitably, there's going to be issues because now we're voting in a whole new way that's never been. We've never had. Right. But there's a difference between issues and widespread voter fraud that could have overturned the outcome of the election. Right. But so now take. Take what happened on election night, right? Okay. I think we're all watching the same election sure. probably around 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And we look, Donald Trump's doing well. He's starting to win in some of these states. Sure. And then in the remaining swing states that had to win, mm-hmm. one after the other, the chips started falling. Oh, Fulton County had a water issue and they because had to he, stop right, counting. Be, well, because he, in Michigan, they had some kind of issue. I don't remember what it was. They had to stop counting. And then it was, and then when they resumed counting, yeah. it, the votes came in right. that were completely Favoring Joe Biden. Well, because Donald, Donald Trump, Trump told his supporters not to mail in ballot. I mean, that's a pretty simple explanation. He's, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I mean, what they I'm were counting is, votes. Maybe that is the reason. Maybe that is. Well, the it reason. is. Yeah, it is. But, <laughs> but what I'm telling you is, and there's been a lot of, uh, and, and I'm not involved in election integrity, so I can't speak intelligently on any efforts that might have been yeah. done. Yeah. You know, across the country, I know some people yep. have been looking at things in Arizona. I know Georgia has. Right. Have, I don't know enough about it. I've never gotten too deep into the election integrity stuff. That okay. being said, I think it's an issue. For America, okay. That so let people me, don't trust the outcome of an election. Let me ask you. I, and I, I don't. Think there's more fault than just Donald Trump. On I don't that. think. Remember, I, but I don't think it's that people don't trust it. I think no. it's the MAGA supporters that are uneducated that don't. No, trust. No, it's not just them. Here's got to go back to twenty. Here's why. Let's go back to that. Yeah. That was my next question. Yeah. Before the 2016 <laughs> election. No. Yeah. Perfect segue. Donald Trump was saying before the 2016 election that Hillary was going to rig the election. The Democrats were going to rig the election and it's going to be stolen. And then something happened. Before 2016? Yeah. I don't remember that being. Yes, he did. I could show you the quotes, David. I'm not lying to you. I remember the Russia narrative after the election. And I remember Hillary Clinton saying that Donald Trump wasn't an illegitimate president because of Russian interference. I will talk about that. But let me start. But first of all, Hillary Clinton conceded the next day. But. Before the 2016 election, he was saying that Democrats are going to cheat and that the election was going to be rigged. Multiple times he made that statement. And then all of a sudden he won. And Hillary conceded the next day. Now, there was Russian interference in the Mueller report, not enough to rise to the level, you know, of a crime. But with that being said, I don't think that changed the outcome of the 2016 election. Trump won. And then for the next three years after Trump won. I guess everything must have gone well because I didn't hear anything about election integrity. I didn't hear anything about an election being stolen. And then we heard it before the 2020 election again. And then we had something called January 6th. And to me, that's not effective. That's a liar. I think Trump is a liar. I don't think I know it. He's despicable. He lies and he does things to make himself look better. He can't admit that he lost. He never wanted to leave the White House. He's still lying about the 2020 election today. He said that he wants to rip up parts of the Constitution. That has to bother you, David. You're an attorney. He wants to rip up parts of the Constitution. That's not a threat to our democracy. That that comment to rip up the Constitution was taken out of context. But Nancy Pelosi, speaking of ripping up things, she stood behind Donald Trump and ripped up his State of the Union speech and threw it in the air. She never done. uh, While I don't agree with that behavior, that doesn't mean that she's a threat to our democracy because she pulls a stunt. I I don't think Donald Trump is a threat to the democracy. And I think Kamala Harris saying that. I think it's dangerous to our – you want to talk about what a threat to the democracy is. Having the vice president of the United States say that a candidate for president 
is a threat to the democracy. And then should they get elected in just a few months? You think Kamala Harris is more of a threat to our democracy than Donald Trump because she said Trump is a threat to our democracy? I I think the rhetoric um, of this, and, and, and again, this isn't, I don't, I don't want to get into this segue, segue yet, but I think the, the rhetoric of um, absolutes, destructive to our democracy. So the rhetoric of – the rhetoric – I just want to get you right. The rhetoric yeah. of our vice president is yeah. more harmful to this country than Donald Trump's rhetoric? Let me ask you a question. Does January 6th happen if Donald Trump doesn't say the election was stolen? Does it happen? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, think Donald, I think January 6th was a combination of a lot of different things and a lot of it – yeah, I mean, look, if Donald again, Trump conceded, does January 6th happen? Yeah, people still would have been upset. You there think was a lot you of, think the uh, you think January 6th? Come on, David, you think I'll give you a perfect example. Weeks before Trump spoke on January 6th, people were already planning what happened concurrently because weeks before January 6th, because so weeks he, before he was saying the election was stolen. He was saying it for weeks way before January 6th. He said it was rigged and Joe Biden was an illegitimate president. I'm not just talking about that day. I'm talking about weeks before. And I'm, I'm telling you that I disagree with you in that if no, Trump I, just I, I conceded, yeah. yeah, if Trump just conceded yeah. and did what Hillary Clinton did, there would not have been a January 6th. They were there because yeah. of him. How do we know that, David? Because the over a thousand people that were convicted in a court of law, over 50 percent of them in a court admitted that they were there because of Donald Trump. That's how we know. <laughs> OK, but now if you get this is an issue um, with I have with January 6th. So. OK. I didn't pay a lot of attention to January 6th, to be honest with you. I thought it was because it was so divisive. It was so destructive. And I felt like we needed to move forward, not go backwards. I thought we needed to put that behind us. Joe Biden was president. He was sworn in. And we needed to not rehash 2020 and just look forward to 2024. So I didn't I didn't. I, so you, I wasn't interested you in choose you choose not to be interested in something that's divisive and something that splits a, 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 the party apart or the country apart. Let me let me be clear. I never got into arguing uh, whether or not um, I never the cause of of January 6th. There's a lot of people who if you go on Twitter or social media places, people have been talking about January 6th since January 6th happened about what it could have been, who, who was involved, who could have been involved, the sentences that were handed down. I kind of just said. I'm not interested, and I just wanted to talk about other things. But then something happened at an event I was at, and I heard mm-hmm. um, from a woman named Jerry Parna, mm-hmm. and her her I think it was her grandson or nephew. I forget which. I think it was her grandson. He was in Jan- He was there on January 6th. He entered the, the Capitol. He was taking video of it, mm-hmm. and then he left. And he was one of the people that got caught up in in. You know, when the FBI was arresting people. Okay. And, you know, he admitted what he did. He said, yeah, it's fine. And, and, and I don't have the whole story memorized, but I'm just giving you the gist of it. And so everything was fine. And he said, look, I'll, you know, I'll admit I did, I did what I did. And he thought he was getting charged with one thing. And, and then he even made like a plea bark. Like he had every, the deal all worked out. Like, okay, fine. I'm going to plead to this and, you know, whatever. Then he finds out on the day that he was supposed to, I guess, be sentenced on the things he admitted to, they added terrorism charges. And now he was facing – in this case, I think he was like, I think, 18 years old or something. Okay. So eight, he was young. And f- then at that point, once once all of that happened, he would already been getting hammered in the press because remember how January 6th was. His family was under stress. And, and anyway, the long and short of it, he ended up killing himself after finding out he was being charged with terrorism. And that's terrible. And, and listen, right. listen, but, that but, is a but, horrific yeah. story. But I would also right. point to the officers – 
who have yeah. committed suicide and killed themselves. The over 140 officers that were injured. Obviously, this 18-year-old, and I don't know the story, and it's very yeah. tragic, and I'm sad yeah. to hear that, but he should not have been there. And I can't imagine that they would get him on terrorist charges unless he was saying some things on social media. Well, no, but some- this, is, this is the point I was going to make yeah. when you talk about um, – you talk about the things people admitted to doing in open court. Mm-hmm. You said 50%. The, what they've done in D.C., and this is something I think Republicans, I think Democrats are interested in this as well, is the way we uh, overcharge people in our criminal justice system. And we don't just do It's not just January 6th, to be clear. This happens in every jurisdiction and every place around the country. When somebody gets arrested, they charge them with the most they can possibly charge them with to get leverage, to get mm-hmm. them admit to a lower crime so they can get a, pro- a higher prosecution rate or, mm-hmm. or, or a conviction rate. Right. This happens inequitably in, in, in underserved communities too. So this isn't, I'm not just applying yeah. this January 6th. So what I'm saying I understand. is to, to say, well, people said they did this and therefore it's true. I think you have to look at the circumstances of what they were being faced with if they didn't say that. And I understand, and, and so I understand I that people, I understand accepting what people say in court in a plea deal. I, I understand that uh, there are times in, in this country where people get overcharged. We saw what happened that day. We saw the property that was, uh, you know, we saw people breaking in. We saw yeah. officers getting beaten with their own batons. I have no sympathy for those people. If it's an 18 year old that didn't commit any violent acts, well, and there, the is there a possibility that maybe this 18 year old was overcharged? It's tragic that he took his own life. It's also tragic. Uh, that we had officers that took their own life as well, who, who did absolutely nothing wrong. And I don't I like I don't like the rhetoric being put forth. But I know you you know you've said some nice things about Vivek Ramaswamy, who I think is a complete slime ball. He's done this show before. He's a slime ball. And the you reason might why, not have seen my parody video uh, that I made of him the other I day, I did not. I, I will. I will check that. <laughs> I will check that out after uh, David. But this is a guy that says that it was an inside job, which it wasn't. This is a guy that says Donald Trump won the 2020 election, which he did. And the only reason why Vivek Ramaswamy, because I do think he's a smart guy. The only reason why he's doing that is because he wants to work in the Trump administration. And I think that's very, very dangerous. And that's where a lot of the Republican Party is today, afraid to call out Donald Trump for anything. I have respect for Chris Christie. I have respect for Liz Cheney, even though I disagree with her on a lot of policy. I have respect for Mitt Romney. And, you know, when I see these people on the far right that just are, they, they, they kiss the ring of Donald Trump. How can I respect somebody like that, David? I can't. I understand that. And and I've talked to a lot of people. Mm. The funny thing is, um, and and I always try to, I try to be reasonable, right? (laughs) I try to go, Mm. let me understand the other person's perspective. Because like I told you when we Mm. talked on the phone, I set out to do this media thing uh, because what I learned was, and this happened, I ran for public office actually in Mm -hmm. 2020, Mm -hmm. local office, a nonpartisan seat. Mm -hmm. I ran for local office. And people would ask me, do you support Trump? That was the very first question. I said, well, it's a nonpartisan race. It doesn't matter. Let's talk about local issues. And that's what really matters. Let's see if we can agree there. Well, no, no, no. If you're a Trump supporter, I can't, I can't support you and I can't talk to you. And then I would just say, look, yes, I'm supporting President Trump in 20. Well, how could you do that? Are you a racist? Are you a this? Are you a that? And then the insults would come. And I said, you haven't asked me a single question about yeah, a policy. Right. You just made all these assumptions based on the person I'm voting for. You didn't even ask me why. Right. And I don't so agree I with said, that. I said, yeah. So I said, we have a problem. We need to at least talk to each other. And then I learned that after I started saying, ask me some other questions and let's see if we can get to, uh, how you doing on time, by the way? Oh, we good. We could. We got If you got a few more minutes, I do as well. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I started saying, look, let's talk about other things and let's Mm. see where we can agree. And then we can work on the things we disagree on. Right. Right. And I learned that once we started talking to each other, even people who hated me after I said I supported Trump, 
we found common commonality and other sure, things. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, and the funny thing yeah. I noticed is, you know, I was listening to your last caller and I was listening mm-hmm. to the things he was saying, you know, the and you, the bad Republican conversation, which was fine because if you were listening to a conservative talk radio show, you'd have a caller say the exact same thing from the other side. And that's what I try to combat is, look, we all have our theories and we all have our beliefs. We all have our hatred for one reason or another for whomever. But the thing I try to focus on is that if we're all saying the same thing just from the opposite perspective, we have to sip, take a step back and ask why. I agree. And I think that's where we move forward, though. And I yes. think that's where we have an opportunity. Here's where I think we can move forward in general terms. You're right. We all have our theories. We all have our opinions. But what I try to tell people is you, you can, you're entitled to your opinions. You're not entitled to your own facts, right? The, the earth is not flat. And Donald Trump did not win the 2020 election. Now, I've had I know, discussions with people who think both. So. Uh, of course, Kyrie Irving types. But but if we can start with reasonable, what's reasonable? Yeah. Okay, Joe Biden's too old. Yeah, if it's Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, I'm still going to vote for Joe Biden. I can give you a mil- million reasons why. I want to see somebody younger in there. Democrats are not perfect. I've never said that. Uh, at the same time, if we can just start with Donald Trump did not win the 2020 election. Donald Trump is not completely innocent, and this is not all a witch hunt. Some of this is his wrongdoing, and he's probably, I would make a bet with anybody, going to be a convicted felon. Now, he's facing 91 felonies, but part of this is Donald Trump's fault. And he plays the victim to everybody, and he said he can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and they'll still vote for me. Okay, that's a cult. And when I speak Mm -hmm. to a Trump supporter, I don't immediately say, oh, you must be a racist. I would never say that because that's a ridiculous statement. There are some, but I, I would never sit make that statement. There are some reasonable Republicans out there, even some that uh, you know would vote for Donald Trump that I could have good conversations with, like you. But it's hard for me to have a conversation with a Republican who says Trump won, and this is all George Soros, all these indictments. I'm sure some of it is political, but you can't claim that Donald Trump is completely innocent and he did nothing wrong either. Um, if I could at least start there with a MAGA Republican, then I think it's <laughs> fair to have that fair to have a conversation. Man, let me tell you, I, I, I try. I, I would like to try to meet you halfway there. My perspective is is these indictments are, are troubling to me. Um, look, everybody. Anybody who could be charged with something Mm -hmm. has some responsibility in being able to be charged with it. The thing is, you can get pulled over. uh, Maybe you've had a beer or two. Mm -hmm. And everybody always says two beers, by the way. If you're drunk, have you ever watched these cop shows? They always had two beers. So (laughs) if if you're drunk, just either admit it or don't submit any. Why stop it too? (laughs) Right. But if you get pulled over, see those tangents? Um, You know, depending on the officer, they're either going to take you to jail or they're going to call somebody to come pick you up. It, maybe you know, maybe you don't. But David, you're an attorney. You would never defy a subpoena for a year, would you? That's what Donald Trump did. But now Donald Trump has lawyers. And if he was advised that he could. Pretty I, bad lawyers if they advised him to I, defy a I'm subpoena. I'm just saying there's a yeah. lot of – you talk about facts. There's a lot of facts that have yet to be proven. And the only but, place you prove facts are in the court. But why is it always – well, he his lawyers told him to do that or I think that was taken out of context – I mean, I I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people make excuses for Donald Trump's behavior, and it's frustrating to me. And when we talk about how, you know, some people will say how tough he was on China, why is it that nobody puts any responsibility on Donald Trump for COVID? I mean, I'm not blaming Donald Trump for COVID, but if he was so tough on China and they respected him so much, why was COVID made in China during the Trump administration? Why oh is, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, but I never hear yeah. ever, anything that happens under the Biden administration. It must have been Joe Biden's fault. The war in the Ukraine, for example. Oh, Donald Trump, that would have never happened under Donald Trump. 
What about COVID? We had a global pandemic. It happened under Trump. I don't blame Donald Trump for that, but I blame him for his response. It's going to be gone by Easter, 15 cases down to zero. Inject yourself with disinfectant. To me, that's not effective. David. Well, now let's be fair. COVID, it's funny because the Ron DeSantis people mm-hmm. hit Trump for COVID as well. And look, I'm a radio guy. If you tell me how much time I have and I'll wrap it. <laughs> no, we got about we got about 10 minutes. Go ahead. All right, cool. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, I was, I was, DeSantis people hit Trump for COVID too. It's so funny. Right. Because DeSantis people hit Trump for COVID. They say he locked states down. He, they told oh, the governors the did that. The governors yeah, did that. I, yeah, I, yes. I agree. I know the governors right, did it. Right. But um, what I'm telling you is it's funny because I, I talked to DeSantis. Well, I don't talk. I listen to him. Um, but I listen to the DeSantis people. And they say, and they hit, hate Trump because they think his COVID response was too effective according to the left standards because he rushed to market a vaccine in Operation Warp, Warp Speed, a vaccine that they yeah. hate. Trump got a lot of crap when he told people they should take the vaccine, by the way. And then he took the vaccine in private. And now so many MAGA Republicans say the vaccine is poison, but yet they want no, to get. Get told people. I know he did. I know he yeah. did. But, but I, now, I, I know. But now let's go back, though, to COVID. Yep. Yep. And, and I had this mm-hmm. conversation last night with somebody. First of all, he called it the China virus, funny enough. But it did come from China, whether it came in a lab or a wet market, doesn't matter. It originated in China. And there was this effort to, um, for some reason, to kind of absolve China of the responsibility of of having this virus originate in China Mm -hmm. and not tell anybody about it. Reports keep coming about that actually knew way ahead of time where they could have warned people. They didn't. But that's a China issue. We could deal with that diplomatically later. But the thing is, when COVID first came out, you remember, I mean, you have to remember Europe. They were really bad off, especially mm-hmm. like it. Where a lot of the elderly populations, they were dying. They were running out of ventilators. Trump started producing ventilators in the United States so much so that we had enough ventilators here and we started exporting them. And then Why you put it? in. Well, listen, yeah. l- let me let me stop by saying this. Yeah. I don't I never blame Donald Trump for covid. I don't think his sure. response to it was very good uh, per capita. When you look at the deaths we had in this country to other countries around the world, inexcusable. Um, I don't just blame Donald Trump for that. I don't understand why it became political. Uh, it, it, well, you know, I don't know why the vaccines <laughs> became political. If you listen to conservative talk radio, some of those right wing talk show hosts, uh, uh, people are dead now. I don't wish that upon anybody, but they were anti-vaccine. This should have never been political. And I don't know why, why so many people made it political and some people on the left made it political too but that's uh, the issue it was made political well it shouldn't have it shouldn't have been and, and listen i'll take yeah. doc, dr fauci's not perfect right clearly mistakes yeah. were made but i'll take an infectious disease expert with 40 years of experience over tucker carlson or sean hannity or some right-wing buffoon with all due respect i'm not talking about you who is who has yeah. zero medical experience fauci's not perfect no doctor is perfect but you know there are people out there that still think covid was a hoax and millions of people are dying from the vaccine it's medical misinformation and much of it is coming from the far right well i think there's a little bit of all of it and i I think people there are some people having adverse uh effects to the vaccine that that's true and every vaccine every vaccine has that's true yeah but but you talk about the politics of it for the longest time they were denying it because they wanted people to take it and so you got to look at where where. What do you mean they were? What do you mean they were denying it? There were there they were, de- were not admitting the adverse uh, impacts from the vaccine. They're like, oh yeah, but don't worry. And then remember when the Johnson Johnson vaccine had to get taken off the market because of blood clots? But before that, they were like, ah well, you know, in in order to get people to take the vaccine, they were they were not paying it. They were purposely avoiding talking about the unpopular things and trying to encourage. Remember the eating French fries and a cheeseburger in New York, you should take the vaccine when people had serious concerns. I remember that. I remember that, but there's a reason why they did that. And I, I hope you'll because agree. They with me. thought they thought 
and, and I'll give them the benefit of it. They thought it was going to save lives. You don't think the vaccine saved any lives? I think that I think there were the, the benefits of the vaccine was overpromised in hopes that it would. OK, but so, I don't think in the end, I don't think in the end it was as effective as we were told it would be. Well, I, I mean, I think if you look at just about every study that's out there, John Hopkins and, and many other studies, it would show that if you were vaccinated, you, you were 10 times less likely to die of covid or be in the ICU. I would call that pretty effective. There's always going to be adverse effects. Yes, you can get covid and give it to other people if you're vaccinated. But half the world took it. So let's just admit it right now. While there's going to be some adverse effects, overwhelmingly, the vaccines were very very safe. And when you look at uh, across the board after the vaccines were available, a higher, uh, much higher percentage of people that were dying, sadly, and that were in the IC were people that were unvaccinated. I mean, I think that's to me, that's 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 the whole story here to me. In but my opinion. That shifted. Don't forget. I mean, there was a time when they called it the pandemic of the unvaccinated. They convinced people to turn on their neighbors if they weren't getting vaccinated. They basically. Well, that's not right. People. That's not but right. I don't condone that. But I know. They but, did. OK, but I, mean, I, I, I can't speak to some idiots out there that were making statements like that. The point I'm just but trying no, to. But this goes to your point where you said uh, politics got involved. But sure. That's how. Sure. They, to, every, they used politics to coerce people in, in, in a health care decision. And this this is a bigger problem now because now in 2023, 2024 now, holy crap. Um, now in 2024, uh, people don't trust their, their health care providers anymore. I mean, you have people, everybody, not just Democrats. If you're a Democrat and you go to your provider and they maybe were one of these people mm -hmm. who said, yeah, I don't think you know if you should take the vaccine or maybe they didn't wear a mask. On the left, you'd be like, that's not my doctor anymore. That person's going to kill me. And then if you're on the right and you go to a doctor and they wore a mask and said, I think you should get this vaccine. And they're like, no. And they're like, uh, well, I'm not going to treat you if you don't. That's not my doctor. Well, so now even our health care has become politicized. I hear so now, you. I, I've always said that the vaccine should not have been mandated. I've also said that you should listen to your personal physician and then right. make your own decision. If people want to right. wear masks, they can wear masks. But if you're a private business, you have the right to tell somebody where, to wear right. a mask. Well, why wasn't that the narrative? <laughs> well, I mean, I've always felt that way. That's yeah. always been my personal uh, right. opinion. But, you know, uh, we only got a couple more minutes left here, David, sure, sure. And, and I really I really do appreciate your time. I think it's it's a really good discussion. If Donald yeah. Trump is a convicted felon, I don't know if yeah. it's one felony or 91 felonies. Right. Will you will you still support him no matter how many felonies he's convicted of over Joe Biden? Uh, over Joe Biden, I would support Donald Trump regardless of how many felonies he would be convicted. There's a lot the of people that share that opinion. And, yeah, and, the and, Constitution and, actually doesn't even preclude him from becoming president with those felony convictions. Right, which I disagree with. But listen, I know, <laughs> I, I know that you're not alone. Does it bother you yeah. at all that a jury has already found him a liable sexual abuser? The judge characterized it as rape. I do as well. Does that it was bother a civil you? Case and it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't rape, even though that's his being characterized. It was a civil penalty. But it right. wasn't you, rape is a criminal charge in that state. You yeah. are 100 percent correct. However, I think there's a lot of people that would characterize without getting too graphic penetration yeah. with one's fingers as rape. But but that's what he was accused of. And that's and, what a jury remember, found him liable of. But in a, but in a civil case, sure, the standard, the burden of proof is much lower, which I is under, why it's not a rape. I, Listen, if that actually let me tell you this, mm -hmm. if there was evidence that that happened criminally, he would be in jail for that. But there isn't enough evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to char char charge him on that. So therefore, they went the civil route, which means the evidence was weak. You say the same so thing not, about OJ. Would you say the same thing about OJ Simpson? Because he was, well, found, he was found liable. Not guilty. Right. But he was found yeah. liable of of the murders of Nicole right. Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. Right. So in a, so they got money. Right. Because and she's Arnold, getting money. 
She's right. going to get from mine. a preponderant. I think the standard probably there is clear and convincing, but on a clear and convincing standard, which is like more likely than not 51, 50, you know, 49, mm-hmm. there's civil penalties because you prevented enough evidence to suggest, okay, maybe it happened. Okay. Let me, but let me I take will not a, say that I won't yeah. say that OJ is a murderer because he wasn't convicted of that. Yeah. In a well, I think he's a murderer. I'll say it, no, but I understand, fine. I understand you're an attorney and I do think, yeah. I, do you think it's just a coincidence that 25 plus women have also accused Donald Trump of sexual assault or rape, including his ex-wife in court documents, or do you not believe them either? It's not whether or not I believe them. It's not whether or not, I I don't know. I haven't read the reports. I haven't scrutinized them. I haven't had the benefit of any Mm -hmm. contradictory evidence. A lot of people accuse a lot of people of things. People have accused Bill Clinton of rape. People uh, uh, people have accused everybody of everything. I mean, Brett Kavanaugh is a perfect example of accusations being made. Um, when you're a high profile person, people say things. I'm not going to say whether or not I believe somebody or don't. I don't know. Why I'm is it that nobody has ever accused Barack Obama of rape? Why people is it that Barack Obama murdered his chef who was. OK, well, that's that's <laughs> absurd. Well, that's absurd. I'm, I'm just saying people people say. Things Why about is it everybody? that we didn't see Barack Obama on Epstein Islander hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein, but we've seen it with Donald Trump, Bill Clinton as well. Why is it that well, Joe no, Biden? Apparently, Donald Trump wasn't the court. What I've seen is that Donald Trump wasn't on Epstein Island. Uh, I, OK, I understand He's that. But we've seen that. pictures with Jeffrey Epstein. Why have we well, not seen? Of course, he knows Jeffrey. Epstein. Right. They're friends. I mean, I mean, he was on Epstein Island. Or I'm not saying I'm all I'm saying is we didn't see Barack Obama. Obama hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein. We didn't see Joe Biden. Maybe he's better at covering his tracks. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> All right. saying. All right. Hey, I'm just saying. Hey, listen. Let me end yeah. by saying this. Um, yeah. I really appreciate anybody that's willing to come on this show uh, that I disagree with on some things. Sure. Clearly, we disagree, but, but willing to have a respectful conversation, which yeah. we did. And I really do appreciate that. Before I let you go, can sure. you please share with my audience out there? how people can follow your show, which I believe yeah. is Monday through Friday, right? Well, we got, I got my show, the the, the David Pollack show is mm-hmm. on on Mondays. Uh, it mm-hmm. airs in Orlando locally, and then it's all over the internet. And you can stream at any of your favorite places, mm-hmm. um, the David Pollack show. Um, and then on Wednesday, Matt Couch and I have the Pollock and Couch show. And then on Friday, I usually join him on his show, Matt After Dark. So I try to be everywhere all the time and come on shows like this. It's a lot of fun. I and, enjoy I, having these and I listen to your spaces and they're very, very yeah. good. Oh, yeah. I do and, Twitter spaces. Yeah, too. man. I listen to your spaces. They're really yeah. good. You're welcome to come back on the show again anytime. And I'd be happy sure. to do your show anytime as well. Yeah. And, fun. and I appreciate you taking the opportunity, David. I really do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Appreciate it. Thanks, David. All right. That's David Pollock, everybody. Listen, we're not always going to agree on everything, but uh, it is possible to have respectful conversations with people, even though you might disagree with them on a number of issues. Um, And that's a perfect example of that. I want to remind everybody on the Occupy Democrats network that are watching, click that subscribe button there. It's only five bucks a month and you'll get extra content from me. We're going to do an extra show tomorrow, every Friday, uh, just with the subscribers. So click that subscribe button. You can also follow me on my socials at PTL radio show. You can uh, find all my stuff on YouTube at PTL Radio Show on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, and I'm also on TikTok. So I'm a little, I'm everywhere. My, I, I really appreciate both of my guests today. Uh, Keith Boykins is awesome, uh, advisor for the Bill Clinton uh, administration. And of course, David Pollack, who just joined us. Uh, very uh, interesting conversation, to say the least. And I do appreciate him uh, taking the time to join us as well. And I appreciate all of you. Thanks, everybody out there for tuning in to Pushing the Limits. I appreciate all of you very much. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a great day, everybody.